0: To another Hopefield message from life. For more information about our church, visit
1: lifeau.org. You guys, this morning, I'm really excited because God's really put a word on my heart for every single one of us, and and I'm just excited to share it because it's for me as well. And even I found myself kind of standing down here before just declaring exactly what I'm going to speak today, Uh, and you're going to hear about that in a moment, which will be good. But we're going to read a bit of scripture first to start off with, if that's okay with you, if anyone's got their Bible. I uh, was trying to find the little Bible marker thing that you usually have on a Bible, and I can't find it, which means I think the vacuum cleaner must have ripped it out of my Bible, which is really unfortunate. But we're going to read out of Galatians 2, uh, verse 20 and 21. And it says this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if I keep the law, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. I'll read that one more time. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if I keep if keeping the law could make me right with God, There was no need for Christ to die. If you're taking notes today, uh, the title of my message is No Longer I. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for 2017 that it's been amazing. God, there's been ups and downs in this city, there's been ups and downs all over the world, but one thing stands true, and that's you. And you stand true as being good, as being faithful, as being here in our life. And uh, God, I stand on that scripture that says, God, that you work everything together for good for those that love you. And uh, we just proclaim that of everyone here in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Have you ever found yourself uh, passionately, extremely, amazingly, all the adjectives you can use, uh, hating or being against something? So like being against something, right? So you're like, someone will do that and you're just the gears just grind inside of you, like, I just hate that. Maybe it's someone biting their nails. And you're just passionately against people biting their nails, right? Or... You know, you could be against a number of things, but then you find yourself kind of two months, a year, two years, five years down the track, ten years down the track, doing exactly what you so passionately hated. Anyone? Yes? Right? So I had this experience uh, in the last few years, and in New Zealand, I lived in New Zealand for a while, and I really passionately hated coffee. No joke. I really hated coffee. Like when I say hated, I just despised everyone that had it. I was at church, all my friends were drinking it and I'd be saying, you're just drinking the Christian drug. Like just because you can't have other drugs, you have coffee and that's just okay apparently. Uh, You know, like it tastes bad. It smells amazing when it's ground, but it tastes bad. It costs money. Like how much are you spending a week on coffee? Anyone like upwards of $20 a week on coffee, like going out? You're drinking so much milk, that can't be good for you. That can't be good for you. It really can't be good for you. Did I mention it's the Christian drug? It's the drug that Christians take to get you know, like stimulated because they're tired. And you know, funny fact is that coffee actually doesn't stimulate you at all. All it does is suppress your sleeping. So it actually suppresses the drug inside of you that makes you want to sleep. So it doesn't actually give you a high, it just suppresses things. And that's why after a little while it all kicks back in and you just hit a big drop. But oh how things have changed. I came to Melbourne in 2014 as a little non-coffee guy, and I stand here three years later as an absolute addicted, <laughs> wait, to the art and science of making coffee, <laughs> not the effects it has on my body. So I've gone from this guy, and I think one of the reasons, I've got to share it with you, I don't want to tell my friends this, but... I'm quite a stubborn, like, I don't want to go against what I said I wouldn't do. And so I'm the kind of guy that if everyone's sitting down, I want to stand up. And if everyone's standing up, I want to sit down. Like, I just like to flow against the tidy a little bit. And uh, so everyone's drinking coffee. I didn't want to do it. I do not want to give in. When I came here, none of my friends were around me anymore. Uh, and I could give in without compromising what I'd told my friends back home because they didn't know. Yeah. So I went to a coffee expo with some great men from this, this church, the coffee expo down in Flemington. And I said to the guys, I said, all right. Give me a good coffee. Like, I've had other coffees before. I've tasted it and it tastes bad. I want the best. Like, I want the coffee that you think will convert me to like coffee. That was the words I said. And so we went to this thing. They gave me a little, they're like, can we have a weak, flat white, please? (laughs) I was like, okay. And so I had it. And I was like, oh, this is actually okay. So I started to learn. Then I was uh, given a gift for my birthday, which was what they call an AeroPress, which is all about making, and a little grinder. And then I bought stuff. Anyway, this is my situation at home right now. On my bench top so I have my my coffee machine I've got my electric grinder my hand grinder I've got my scales my pour over my two different bags of beans one espresso, one filter then I've got my filters for my AeroPress my AeroPress on the far right okay so this, this is my situation now I've even gone to the point where I have my own logo right for when I want to bring out my own coffee brand so check this one out So this is DeLacy & Co. Uh, I've got a stamp and everything. I've got all my own cups. Uh, I make it myself. That's actually our family crest. And then I've just put DeLacy & Co. on there. So like, you know, you can see the, the change of situation that's happened in my life. Has anyone had the similar experience with coffee? Hated it and then converted? Or has everyone just loved it the whole way along? Yeah, okay, fair enough. Okay. Well, there's this guy in the Bible, and his name's Paul. And he has a similar experience, except it's not with coffee. It's with Jesus. And and he's a guy who passionately hated the Jesus movement. So a lot of people get this wrong about Paul they think Paul was against Christianity. He was not against Christianity. He was against the Jesus movement because Christianity had been around for years and years before. Jesus came and all of a sudden he flipped and changed the way that Christianity was done. He said, it's not about killing a lamb. It's not about all that stuff. It's about having faith in me and I'll be your perfect sacrifice. And so there's these disciples who obviously hear the message and they spread it. And Paul is just so strong, like I was, I'm not like coffee. He is so strong on the fact that Jesus was not the Messiah. He was a Jew and Jews had been promised for years that the Messiah was going to come. The Messiah was going to come and free them from all the, the issues that they had and reconcile them with God and all that stuff. And he was so passionately against it, he did not like the Jesus movement. To the point where he said, well, that's not right. So in our law, it says, if, that, if you're being like that, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, so he follows the disciples everywhere trying to kill them. He goes around, he sees one of them stoned, he, he does all this different stuff. And he's so passionate against the Jesus movement. And one day, he's, he's on his way to meet the disciples. He, the disciples don't know he's coming, but he's on the way to meet the disciples. And Jesus has already been dead, resurrected, and reappeared to the disciples. So Jesus has arisen now. And Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appears to Paul on this road. And there's a long story that goes from that. He gets blinded. He goes to some guy's house, and the guy takes him in and all that stuff. Feel free to read it yourself. But he has one of the m- most major conversions that we read about in the Bible. And what I love about Paul is he doesn't just get converted and kind of tiptoe in. He's one of those guys who is just like, I'm in the water. Like, I'm jumping. I'm going full in. And he realizes he has this moment where, and this is what God can do to your life, is that when you actually encounter Jesus— he opens your eyes. It's like you, it's, the Bible talks about you had scales on your eyes. and But when you encounter Jesus, he takes those off and you see fully what God has intended for you. And Paul becomes the most passionate, most amazing person in the next few years going after and building the Jesus movement. So Paul's an amazing guy. And that scripture we read at the start is actually Paul telling one of the disciples off. So you can imagine that's like me, two weeks into my coffee journey, going down to the best down to the coffee expo, finding the best barista and going, ah, you got it wrong. Actually, I think you're not doing it right. I know how to do it. You should do it like this. Right. Paul's telling off Peter, who's a disciple of Jesus, been walking with Jesus right since he came. And he's telling him off and he gets riled up and he's like, you just, you don't get it. He's like, my old self has been crucified. Like we're done. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. What a statement. It's like a a subtle hint to Peter. You're treating the grace of God God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. See, See, what Peter was doing was he was acting a certain way and hanging out with the people who didn't deserve to be hung out with, the Gentiles. And then as soon as some other people who he respected came in the room, he no longer hung out with them and he went and did the the proper thing. And Paul's like, hang on, why are you changing because someone walked in the room? Why are you giving up on what Jesus has taught us and following your old ways again? Isn't your old self gone and the new come? It's amazing. Like The Apostle Paul was just, he wrote most of our New Testament and he's amazing. And there's a couple of things I got out of this little scripture that I want to share with you today. I believe that we can take into 2018 with us. And it's a way to live a no longer I life. So if you want to live a life that says no longer I, then this isn't the only way, but I would say these are two very good things that you could do. Are you guys ready? Good? All right, point number one, honor the grace of God. Like I said before, Paul made this subtle comment towards Peter and said, you're treating the grace of God as meaningless. Like you're treating it like it didn't matter and that... It's, it's not the thing that's really driving your relationship with Him, but the grace of God is all we have when it comes to salvation. And read the scripture with me. It's in Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. It says, God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. No longer me, no longer you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about how good I can act when certain people walk in the room. It's not about how amazing I can pray or how amazing I can sing or worship. It's not, it's not about how amazing I can be and how I can strive to be with God. No, the Scripture says that salvation does not come through working. Salvation does not come through trying to be the best Christian. Salvation doesn't come through that. Salvation comes through the grace of God. And the grace of God is outworked by God's love for us. Like the love we talked about earlier when I read that scripture out of Romans and it says, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Do you honour the fact that God gave his life for you? Do you walk every day honouring God's grace? You know, I don't know if you've ever created something like, let's say a computer uh, like PowerPoint. Okay, something I used to do in school. Everyone know PowerPoint? PowerPoint. Yeah, PowerPoint program. We used to do this thing when I was about 11 or 12 before there was like cool programs. Uh, we used PowerPoint to make like a stick figure story. Anyone else do that? It was like a stick figure guy and he'd be like skating and then he'd jump and then he'd go over the ramps and you'd just, every frame, you'd just push him one frame forward, you just make another slide and then you'd just hold the arrow button down and you'd watch the whole thing play out, right? we not, we yeah, fun. When, uh, that's what we did in New Zealand, you know? Have fun. <laughs> When you made something like that and you got about a quarter of the way through and you said, oh, it's not working, I'm going to start again. When you make something, you're the creator of something, you can actually choose to just discard it and start again. Now God created us and he had the option when we failed, when we did what he told us not to do, talking about Adam and Eve, talking about us every day, he could easily have said, oh, dang it, I stuffed up, I'm going to start again. But he didn't do that. Because it's against his character to do that. He didn't do that. He had grace for us. And he had a plan the whole time to send Jesus to come find us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Come on, do you honor the grace of God? I was thinking about a couple of ways that we dishonor the grace of God. A couple of ways that every single day, that probably every single one of us have done before, that we dishonor the grace of God. And the first thing is that we just try to do it ourselves. I said it before, it's not about me, it's not about you, but we try to do it ourselves. Like I said in that scripture, it says that salvation is not a reward for the good things that you do. It's amazing because everything in our life is based around the fact that we have to do something in order to get somewhere else. Everything in our job says we have to meet the KPIs to get to the next level. Everything at home says we have to do the chores to get our pocket money. (laughs) Any adults get pocket money anymore? (laughs) Some husbands. Um But everything in our life means that we have to go through a step, even coming to get to know this church. You go through next steps and all of a sudden you get to know the church a little bit. It's not the only way, but it's a way. Everything that we do, and that's okay, it's a human way to do it, but God's way is not like that. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to the fact of you going to heaven or hell, you don't have to earn that. You just have to ask for it. So There's one thing we do to dishonor God is we try to do it ourselves too much. The second way we do it is we purposely sin. that's a weird concept, Will. Why are you saying that we purposely sin? Who purposely sins? No one. I'm talking about when you know the grace of God and you go, I'm going to do this because I know God will forgive me tomorrow anyway. Now, I want to get one thing straight is that God will forgive you tomorrow. Even if you think like that, God will forgive you tomorrow. That's not a question at all. But I'm saying when you honour the grace of God, that's not the way you think. When, you, when you're a little kid and your parents say, I'm going to love you forever, and so you go, oh, it doesn't matter, I'm just going to go out and party and get drunk, I'll come home, they'll be angry at me, but they'll still love me. Now, do we see that as dishonor? Yeah? yeah? It's the same with God. It's the way to dishonor God's grace that he's given to us. Right. Two things that we do to dishonor God's grace is we do it ourselves, and we purposely sin. When we purposely sin, this is what it says in Corinthians, because a lot of us might say this kind of thing, but I can do it, and it's okay God will forgive me, and like I said, He will. But 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 says this. You say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. You might have heard it another way, that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And if you want to live an abundant life, if you want to live a life that God has planned for you, we need to honour the grace of God. Me included. We need to honour the grace, the gift that God has given to us. We can't just throw it away and then go pick it up when we want. If we want to continue to live a life that says, no longer I, but Christ who lives in me, we need to honour the grace of God. Secondly, number two, we need to trust in Jesus. It says in Galatians 2 verse 20, it says this, I live in this earthly body trusting in the Son of God. Another thing Paul was trying to get across to, to Peter, like don't worry about those guys. Don't worry about them walking in the room and thinking that you're like that. or thinking, I live my life trusting in the Son of God. It says in John 10 verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so if the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock, the hired hand runs away because he is only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus speaking. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know my father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too, and they are not in the sheepfold or this flock. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Have you ever wondered why Jesus always talks about the sheep and the shepherd? And why it's not, I am the good elephant trainer, and the good elephant trainer will sacrifice his life for the elephant. Like, have you ever, anyone else ever thought that? Like, I read the Bible all the time. I'm like, why did he do that? Like, so weird. Uh, but then you actually start to look at it, and you realise there is a reason, and that Jesus actually does know everything. Because when you start to look at sheep, and is there any farmers here that are sheep farmers? We're not in New Zealand anymore, either, are we? Jeez. <laughs> I'm not a sheep farmer, I'll just put that out there. But when you look into sheep, you realise that they're a flock species. They actually live in community. Sound like Anyone? They like to be with other people, and that's the way Jesus created us. They have, uh, sheep have amazing peripheral vision. Anyone think they've got the best peripheral vision around? They can see things out the back of their head. Mums are probably like, yes, I can. Uh, but sheep can see behind them. Amazing. Yeah, 320 degrees or something they can see, but they can't see in front of them. <laughs> so you have all this amazing ability to see around you, but you can't see in front of you. Does that sound like anyone? They, they can't see the shepherd that's standing in front of them. We live a life where we look at everyone around us. We look at the world that lives around us. And we can't physically see our God. We can't physically see our shepherd. So you start to wonder, Jesus actually was onto something here. So to, to battle the fact that they can't see in front of them and where they're going, they have very good hearing. In fact, they can actually turn their ears to face the way that they want to hear specifically. They say that sheep can know their shepherd's voice distinguished from another person standing next to them. That sheep, as they grow up, they learn their shepherd's voice and they, if there's someone that comes to like lead them astray, they know that that's not their shepherd's voice. It's pretty cool, eh? Sheep trust people. So apparently when sheep are fed by a person or sheep have friends, sheep have friends, They like to be around those friends that they trust. They like to be around a a few certain people. Uh, From a young age, lambs, pretty sure small sheep are lambs. Lambs, yeah, that one. Uh, They obviously don't know their shepherd's voice. So what they do in order to learn their shepherd's voice, they follow the people around them until they're old enough to learn their shepherd's voice. Now, does that make you think a little bit about people maybe when you became a Christian, did you know our God's voice that well? Or did you trust the people and rely on the people around you in connect groups or in new Christian groups or in church or whatever to follow them? And it's amazing when you realise Jesus actually knew what he was talking about. It's pretty crazy, eh? Huh? We must, even when we can't see, even when we don't understand, trust the voice of our shepherd. I was thinking about three, a couple ways that we can trust Jesus more. Couple of ways that we can actually physically and practically trust Jesus more. You guys with me? Good? Number one, we can spend time with Jesus. Come on, if I asked you honestly, ask myself honestly, when was the last time you, just you, just you, had time with Jesus? Just one on one? Had time just hanging out, worshiping, listening. Not just talking all the time, listening. Praying. Come some of the, Diane who's in the office with me uh, most days, she'll know that some days I'm in here in the office early, I come in half an hour early and I blast music so loud because no one's in the building. And I just sit there and I have time with Jesus. Because it's hard to do it sometimes at home when you've got a little baby and an amazing wife to just get you and him. So what are you doing to actually get yourself in a room or in a position, whether it's your car, your workplace, your tram, your train, and getting a moment when you and God Come on, are you spending time with Jesus? Because as you spend time with someone, what's the biggest outcome of spending time with someone? Trust comes. As you learn that He is good and that He has a character that wants to help you, then you begin to trust Him more. Secondly, another way we can trust more is we learn His voice. Just like the sheep in a flock learn the shepherd's voice, we need to learn our shepherd's voice. Because it says earlier in that verse I read about in John 10, Uh, About how he's a good shepherd. A couple of verses earlier, it talks about how when enemies come, when the enemy comes, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10.10. Anyone heard that before you? Comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But it also says that if you know the voice of your shepherd, you can distinguish that voice away from those enemies. So for us, do we know the voice of God? Do we know the voice of of Jesus speaking to us? Can we distinguish it from the voice of the enemy which comes into our mind every single day? Is anyone like me? Every single day and tries to get me to do things that are not beneficial for my life. We need to know the voice of our Savior. We need to know the voice of our Shepherd. We need to remember His sacrifice. Hold on, just a, a few minutes time, we're gonna take a moment to have communion, and I'm going to ask the band to come join me. But we're going to take a moment to have communion and remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. And I was thinking about it, and I'm pretty sure about this, but through sacrifice, trust is built. Think about someone in your life that has sacrificed something for you, whether it be a family, a parent, a friend, a friend, after they've done something, and I'm not talking about like they gave you a lolly out of their lolly bag, like after they've sacrificed something for you, significant, come on, where does your trust level go with that person? All of a sudden you start to respect and you start to, to, to trust that person even more. Through, through sacrifice, trust is built. Band, you guys can come. Awesome. So if we want to live a no longer I life, we need to honour the grace of God. We need to trust in the Son of God, which is Jesus. And we need to live that no longer I life, but Christ who lives in me. You know, like I said, that Peter, uh, Paul was telling Peter off in that verse earlier on in Galatians. Paul was telling Peter off. Because he had fallen back into what he had grown up the way that he'd grown up, the what he'd been taught growing up into that religious kind of way. He'd fallen back into what was socially accepted in that time. He'd fallen back into what was easy for him. He'd fallen back into living for himself and not living for Christ. He's just getting angry and I just love it because when I see someone make coffee the wrong way, I get passionate what are you doing? And I respect some people, but I don't do it, but there's this passion that comes on the inside of you when you've been somewhere and then you get converted somewhere else because you know there's a better way. If you don't drink coffee, there's a better way. The whole point of this message was no longer I, but coffee who lives in me. It wasn't. But if you don't know Jesus here, I'm telling you there's a better way. I've been someone who didn't know God until I was 15 years old. I didn't know anything about Him. Didn't have a relationship with God at all until someone invited me somewhere. And all of a sudden I had a conversion and I'm telling you, I was the most passionate person about getting my friends to church. There was people who had grown up in the youth ministry the whole time. But when I got saved, it was like, man, there's a better way and I don't want you to not know the better way. Along with Philippe, we were at school together and he was one of those guys who'd known God his whole life and was kind of, you know, no, nah, he wasn't. He was real passionate too. But we saw like buses filled from our venue to go to youth ministry. We knew that there was a better way. I can honestly leave school knowing that every single person that was willing to say yes to our invitation that came had an opportunity to hear God. And God doesn't ask us to save people. God doesn't ask us to go out there and convert them. He asked us to let them hear the the message of the gospel, the message that Jesus died for us. Come on, are you passionate? Are you putting yourself aside? Are you saying no longer I, but Christ who lives in me? Because when it's Christ who lives in you, all the stuff that I, 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 I don't feel comfortable, I don't feel like I can do that, I don't feel like I can pray for someone at my job, I don't feel, I, 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 Get over it. It's no longer I. It's Christ who lives in me. And uh, the hosts are going to come and bring communion down. And Yeah, you guys can come now and and hand it out. And we're going to worship in a moment. Actually, you can all stand to your feet. But come on, as we go into 2018, would we take a moment to remember the sacrifice that Jesus did for us? Will we take a moment to do a heart audit about our life and say, is it, is it about me or is it about Christ? Just ask yourself that simple question as you hold the, the emblem and the, the bread. Is it about me or is it about Christ? Yeah. And have a moment to yourself to actually just ponder and audit and decide what you're going to do going into 2018. Because if you want to live a no longer I 2018, then you'd start to do these things. You'd start to honour the grace that God has given you. Start to honour the gift that God has given you. And you'd start to trust His voice even more. In your own time, why don't you just, as the band sings, just take the the communion just to remember the sacrifice Jesus did for us on the cross. Remember His body that was broken for us. His blood that was spilled for us so that you could reconcile with God. Come on, in your own time, just take that.
0: Beautiful name is the name of Jesus Christ. My.
1: Church let's worship you
0: have no right. Yeah.
1: To learn the voice of your Savior, have a moment to remember his sacrifice, build trust between you and him. is it a priest that has to go up and sacrifice something on behalf of us? No, we can have personal, got unending relationship with you, Lord. And God, I personally just want to say thank you for walking with you for over 10 years and God, you've made nothing but good.
0: this podcast from life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.